Here are a few more tidbits about the Edgewater Beach Hotel I didn't include in the main episode. As always, if you haven't listened to the full episode yet, check that one out first and then circle back to this one. Longtime listener Tom Kutzer let me know about this. Thanks, Tom. Giovanna Carmela Babo, who later went by the stage name Joni James, was born in Chicago in 1930. She went by Joan growing up, studied ballet and drama, and after graduating from Bowen High School on 89th Street in South Chicago, she toured Canada with a local dance group. Upon returning to Chicago, she took a job as a chorus girl at the Edgewater Beach Hotel. Soon after pursuing a singing career, she got a recording contract with MGM. Her first number one hit, Why Don't You Believe Me, sold over two million copies. A year later, Joni James made it to number two with a cover of the Hank Williams classic, Your Cheatin' Heart. Your cheating heart will make you weak. You'll cry and cry and try to sleep. During her career, James recorded more than 25 albums and sold more than 100 million records. She passed away in February of 2022 at the age of 91. As I was working on this episode about the Edgewater Beach Hotel, one of the first people I should have reached out to is Todd M. Gans, who, along with Stephanie Young, released the wildly popular and somewhat horrifying podcast, If the Walls Could Talk, about the rise and fall of the Edgewater Hospital. Fortunately for you listeners, I wrangled Todd into giving us a little more about all things Edgewater. Enjoy. Todd, tell me about the connection between the Edgewater Beach Hotel and the Edgewater Hospital. You know, the more research we did on Edgewater Hospital, so many people kept bringing up Edgewater Beach Hotel and said, you know, we think the hospital was an extension of it. And we looked into that and there was absolutely no correlation between owners of the building or anything like that, architects. But the man who founded or co-founded Edgewater Hospital lived in that pink building. So he was at Edgewater Beach Hotel quite a bit. He was a celebrity, a local celebrity, if you will, Um, not only just a cardiologist, but a world-renowned cardiologist. And there was that column in the the Chicago Tribune that would talk about like, so-and-so was spotted on Rush Street spooling, you know, spaghetti with, you know, this celeb. And his name would would pop up a lot. So we kind of laughed thinking, Wow, you know, the the definition of celebrity has changed the years. But he lived at at the hotel or lived in the apartments near the hotel and would hobnob with all those folks a lot. And when he opened the hospital, everyone said it was set up to look and run like a five-star hotel. He didn't want it to just be a hospital. He called it a luxury hospital. When the hospital opened, it had 90 beds. 
And of these rooms, they had a handful, about 18 of them that were considered suites or deluxe rooms. And you'd walk into these rooms and it was not like you were in a hospital. It had a fancy bed, handcrafted furniture, this giant solid mahogany door. And there there were bars in said rooms. So again, you're thinking this is a hospital, right? And and so it already sounds like this was not for your average, you know, Joe Schmo living in the Edgewater area. It was not for Todd or Tommy with an HMO <laughs> plan at all. No, but it was for and designed for the elite. And you're thinking, well, celebrities would be coming to this hospital. Why? Well, think about the amount of celebrities that came in and out of Edgewater Beach Hotel, the who's who. It wasn't a matter of who was there. It was who wasn't. And that list is pretty short. And with Maisel kind of hanging around there and being a celebrity, a lot of these people went to him. That was their doctor to the stars when they were in Chicago. We talked with one woman who said um, that her father also was like a, a hospital doctor and worked with Maisel and said one night the phone rang and she picked it up and it was Frank Sinatra. And old blue eyes needed to talk to her dad because he had a show that night and his voice was a little not well. So the two of them kind of talked and she said she refused to hang up the receiver on her end because she wanted to just hear Frank Sinatra talking. So we had heard stories in our research that, oh yeah, the Rat Pack and Jimmy Stewart and Bing Crosby and all these people used to show up at Edgewater Hospital. And you started to look in and find out why. And it's like, oh, well, they were staying at these rooms. And you could put a period at the end of that sentence and say, that's kind of cool, but there's a little more to the story. Why did Dr. Maisel have these suites and deluxe rooms? Well, a lot of these people, you know, they'd be performing for a week or so, and then they need a place to kind of go and sometimes to get away from life for a while. And that's where these suites came in just about a mile up the road at Edgewater Hospital. There were also people, because you think about those black and white photos, and then one hand there's a cocktail and the other there's a cigarette. There was a lot of overindulgence back then. And some of these movie studios had deals with Edgewater Hospital where they would send said celebrities to these suites to dry out for a little while. Ah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, these so, yeah. days they say, uh, uh, you know, somebody has taken time off from their tour because of exhaustion. And you yes. always read it as like, hmm, exhaustion. <laughs> but obviously it happened back in the day as well. True. Yes, wow. it, it was going on a lot. And this was big in the 40s and 50s. And from what I read in the 60s, things kind of fell apart with these Hollywood film companies. A lot of them folded up and they didn't have the big budgets they once did. And these sort of deals fell apart. Now, there were a lot of people we talked to who worked as what they called tray girls at Edgewater Hospital. And what they were is at dinner time, they would come and bring your meals. And they had uniforms. They had what looked like nurse uniforms, these white outfits. And they were mainly high school girls. And they said, you know, that we would fight over who got to bring the trays to these special rooms because you wanted to know who was in there. And it, it was kind of interesting. They said to announce that dinner was coming, there was this, uh, I think it was a mandolin that they would play. They would just string, it was like a set of chords and they would all fight over who got to play these chords. And they went room or floor to floor to floor because there were eight floors, um, sometimes more in these this hospital. And people would hear this, 
the song and know, okay, dinner's coming. So this one girl said, you know, I'd never met anyone famous, but I did get to meet one of El Capone's boys that he ended up in one of these private suites at the hospital. And she said, I never got past the front door because there was just, you know, a couple burly guys with their arms folded saying, we'll take it girl, you know, and move (laughs) along. So all this stuff is going on at this hospital, just a few blocks from Edgewater beach hotel. And the reason being they, they, they were Dr. Maisel spent a lot of time at that hotel. He was a guy who knew how to hobnob, as uh, as you said earlier. <laughs> any chance I any chance I can use hobnob, I will Listen, use it. Listen, hobnob and spooling spaghetti. I think you said <laughs> whatever. You, I don't know. Either way, I like it. Boy, I got to yeah. tell you, that is some great bit of history, and uh, I'm glad that we had a chance to connect on that. Todd M. Gans, thank you as always. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>